This is Coach Lee, and you're listening to The Door Report. At Vanderbilt, it's Tim Corbin in the Vandy Boys, Jerry Stackhouse on the hardwood, and Clark Lee on the gridiron. Nashville, it's time to sit back, relax, grab a cold one, and enjoy the show. The Music City is our state, and West End is where we rock. You're listening to The Door Report, the premier Vanderbilt podcast for fans who believe black and gold. Commodore Nation. Anchor down. No strings till the hank comes out. Make all the drunk girls scream and shout. We love it, we hate it. We're all just trying to make it in this crazy town. Welcome into the door report. It is episode 217 on a Tuesday night, April 25th. I guess you could say emergency podcast. Uh, vibes are pretty low right now. We're gonna we're gonna dive into those. 2023, we are powered by Alaco Finewood Floors. Family-owned and operated for more than two decades, Alaco Finewood Floors is Nashville and Middle Tennessee's choice for premium quality hardwood floors. Since 95, Jimmy Alaco and his army of employees have embodied the approach of taking pride in one's craft and providing superior customer service, growing from a one-man shop to a team of 23 professionals. If you're interested in contacting them, you can find their headquarters out in Berry Hill. That's 2505 Winford Avenue. Give them a call at 615-356-0303 or log on to alacofinewoodfloors.com. Gentlemen, we got a lot to get to today and no positive news whatsoever. It's all negative and it's all really, really bad. Like, like this is this is arguably one of the most miserable weekends for, for Vanderbilt fans in recent memory. Like maybe not even recent memory. I think you could go back pretty far and not think of a weekend quite like this. And it and it has rolled into Monday. It has rolled into Tuesday. Number one, Tennessee sweeps Vandy in pretty dominant fashion. You tweeted, Will, Vols are dominant this week. I mean, you, you gave them credit. And, we, and you have to give them credit. They, they dominated Vandy. We'll dive into that. Tyron Lawrence. Yes, was it yesterday or Sunday? It was yes. yesterday. Yes. Tyron Lawrence enters the transfer portal. And we had a spaces last night. I got a lot of interaction, by the way. Thanks, everybody, for checking in. Uh, and then Jadis Richard today, one of the most talented uh, cornerbacks, enters the portal. So, guys, w- with that in mind, I've I've decided to enter the portal as well. So I, I'm I, I'm headed. I, I'm gonna I'm making the graphic tonight. I'm gonna get it posted in the morning. I'm I'm headed to the portal. Uh, but uh, well, I've got. <laughs> yeah. With all due uh, respect to you guys, I'm. I'm headed to uh, one I of the Tennessee it. podcasts in, in Knoxville. <laughs> is this <laughs> another? Is this podcast. another tampering? Is somebody offering you a bag right now? Yeah, somebody's been tampering. Uh, enrolled. It's it's going to be an SEC. To, it's going to be an in-conference transfer. So, uh, is, but is no, that we'll, Brian Kelly's music. I hear. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to fan questions as well, but will I mean Trevor said it before we started recording. We are six feet deep, and we're still we're still alive somehow. Like we are buried, but we're not. You can't break what's already broken. You can't kill what's already dead. TDR is going to be here. We're going to be hosting this podcast. We're going to be hosting Twitter spaces, no matter what happens. That being said, hell or high water. The last, the last five <laughs> days have been the hell 
of being a Vanderbilt fan. And I never like to say that lightly, but the Stephen A. Smith video meme, I am having a very bad day. I am in no mood. That's how I feel. <laughs> if anybody doesn't know what I'm referencing, I meant to tweet out that video yesterday after the Tyron Lawrence news. But you just simply can't have a worse five-day stretch. You lost three in a row to your in-state rival in which you should have dominated based on every single statistical metric you can find in SEC play. Tennessee was 5-10, and 10, Vanderbilt's 13-2, and two, Tennessee's 41st in the RPI, Vanderbilt's 7th, Vanderbilt's leading every single almost batting statistical category and pitching category, and Vanderbilt goes up to Knoxville and gets absolutely trounced by Tennessee. And I don't think I expected Tennessee to put up as many runs as they did and basically make Vanderbilt's entire pitching staff look look like they were throwing BP. But I never expected Vanderbilt's bats to put up, what was it, four runs uh, over the first two games. Uh, They put up five uh, in the game on Sunday, but really it was one. I mean, that game was pretty much over after the solo home run, I believe it was early in that game. Vanderbilt put up a few late, but UT was just thoroughly dominant all weekend i'm glad i didn't plan my entire weekend around that series and make the drive up to Knoxville oh, because you. that would have been absolutely miserable so shout out to uh jalen merricks for making uh <laughs> making his presence felt inside of Lindsay nelson because he was one of the few and that's a strong soldier and the president and owner of tdr of course as we we both know billy and he's 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 been the founder all along Trump. yeah i mean yeah if 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 any vol fan is is listening i don't know why you would be but if, if you're listening Jalen merricks is he is tdr um so so take your comments questions and concerns up with him tennessee uh, fans took that really seriously Jesus. too like i i, I kind of yeah. felt bad for Jalen. What a bunch of weirdos, though, on the internet. Like, before I get into anything else, like, just what a bunch of, like, strange people. Like, I just look at their tweets and, like, what they tweeted Aria and just, like, what they tweet in general. I'm like, dang, dude. Like, just like a – like, I need a case study on on the mental psyche of Tennessee Volunteer fans. Um, somebody's going to have to fund that. But, yeah, um, as you guys said, to put it lightly, it has been a really, really bad weekend to be a Vanderbilt fan. And unfortunately, it has somehow leaked into the work week. Um, and it's so dumb too. like I if if like some of this bad news would have happened on Sunday, at least you could have been like, OK, like this total day shot. But like Sunday's over, you go into Monday, you're like, OK, like time to turn a new page. And then it's you almost see like some you expected Twitter something else to happen again. Dude, yes, you see some Twitter account tweet out that Tyron Lawrence has entered the transfer portal, and you're like, oh, my God, this is really bad. And then, like, later this afternoon, you're like, okay, like, time to settle down, like, make some progress for you're like, Richards is in the portal, and you're just like, oh, my God. You're like, it just <laughs> it, – people, people say all the time, like, it can't get worse, but it really can. Like, you can always get worse. And so, yeah, um, this weekend I'm – I don't want to chalk up this and and this is sort of where I'm at mentally. And I don't know where you guys are at, but I've been thinking about it a lot. And I don't, I don't want to chalk up this weekend to an anomaly, but part of me does, but like, I don't, we're going to get to that. I look at this. Yeah. It's just, God, I want to talk about that a lot because to be honest, like I've been having sleepless nights over this series and then, basketball and football news even though they're not in a session just 
You just and continue it, to beat me down. And I'll say this too: sometimes you just gotta laugh at yourself. Like the, yeah, after Friday night, fun. after Friday night, yeah, it was brutal. But part of me still felt like this team would bounce back, maybe find a way to salvage, you know, the series even after Saturday. But the whole day Sunday, you know, when they got they got down early, I just started to laugh at myself after Sunday was bad. After everything that I said in particular, but all of us said in the podcast before. I, I was this the only weekend. one to predict a sweep. I think. Well, I think Trevor I said I predicted a sweep. A, I, okay. I said For that the me, Vandy boys, quote, could scratch their nuts and get a sweep. <laughs> that's that's what lost us the series right there. That is. But I said it. We it's can go me. pull the recording at the time. I predicted a sweep, and I said that might be the worst possible thing that could happen to the Vandy boys. Look where we are. It's me. Once again, guys, I keep telling you that I'm the problem. No one will listen to me. <laughs> the will curse continues. But, no, I – for me, I didn't. I, part of me wasn't surprised, but I never thought it would actually happen in that fashion, like you said, Will. So we're gonna get into all of it again. Sometimes you gotta laugh at yourself and how wrong we all were. We're eating a lot of crow today, a lot of it, and it doesn't taste good. You know, we it's not about the first this, time, and it won't be the last. The stackhouse crow tasted good, right? I mean, we mm-hmm. were we were happily eating crow. We're eating a lot more crow now after after this weekend, but. Long season, still got what four weekends left, Trev? I, th- I think it is of SEC yep. play. You got Kentucky this weekend. The sky is not falling. Vanderbilt's still a top five team. Um, Only two as much... home weekend series left, though. Exactly. So, and and the competition gets a lot tougher too. So, yes. it may feel like the sky is falling. If this was Georgia in Athens, right? We we would be okay. Just bounce back, right? But this was Tennessee and Knoxville after what they did yeah. last season. So that that's that's an added layer of this, and we're gonna get to all of it. Before we do, stick with us. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at door underscore report, Instagram door dot report, like us on Facebook, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Our podcast is available on Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And while you're at it, give our podcast five stars and a review on iTunes. All right, let's get to the breaking news. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. No matter what style you're going for, you can trust your flooring job to a Laco Fine Wood Floors. Take a walk through the woods in your home every day. Get your flooring job started today by calling 615-356-0303. Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Craftsmanship you can stand on. All right, guys, let's start with uh, Jadis Richard. This was a shocker. Uh, I, I think, you know, for not just me, but all of us, I mean, th- this was a shocker to the Vanderbilt football program, I would like to think. Former four-star recruit, showed flashes last year. Right of of some talent, I mean he he's an athlete. He, he's he's an athlete that I'm pretty sure Clark Lee wanted on his team. Uh, there's a lot of rumors swirling around about what happened uh, with him, but keep this in mind: SEC players who transfer in the spring must either transfer to a non-SEC program or sit out the fall season. I saw that today from Aria Gerson. So this won't be an SEC transfer, right? He's not. I know Brian Kelly was was mentioned before this pod about him potentially tampering. Tampering happened in this, but I think the positive sign is he's not headed to another SEC school. 
So that I that was a great note from Aria. But well, I, I think for Richard, it, it's not obviously the end of the world. Football, you've got so many other players that can fill that role, but he was gonna start, right? I mean, he, he was gonna start on the edge alongside Tyson Russell. And, you know, for him, I kind of I kind of look at him and say, where is he gonna go and get the playing time he was gonna get at Vanderbilt? That's that's what confuses me. This <sighs> Yeah, football is different than basketball. So I think this one is getting like conflated. Got to separate. Yeah, alongside yeah. the news because there hasn't been some horrendous retention problem within the football program. There has been my, the Mike no. Wright transfer out, obviously Judy Lawley, some different names. You could whatever, actually but... make the argument that it's been the opposite for football. Yeah, yeah, yeah they've actually retained most of their talent. I think CJ Taylor is a great example, but. Uh, Will Shepard, Quincy Skinner Jr., all their talented pieces outside of Ray Davis that would have been returning pretty much as contributors now to die Richards. Uh, but outside of those guys, you've retained them. So I think this news hits harder just because it's like, man, what else is going to happen? Can we get some positive news? Because everything out of the basketball program is negative. So I think I'm completely losing my train of thought here. But with that news, I think the landing spot that I've kind of heard mentions Colorado. I don't know if there's any credence to that. Don't know if you've heard any news of that. But I would be really surprised if Richards, who is going to get significant playing time under Clark Lee in an SEC defense, potentially transfers to a program that's non-Power 5. So I think he's going to be a Power 5 level transfer. Yes. Billy, you mentioned the ARIA tweet that it can't be in her conference. And then, you know, Colorado with uh, Showtime up there and Deion Sanders is, mm -hmm. is definitely going to have some NIL money to throw around and some eyes on them. Uh, so if that's what you're seeking, go play in Colorado. Uh, make your peanuts um, under Deion Sanders or whoever it is that, that Richards transfers to. I'm just getting really sick of this idea that you're an idiot for even mentioning the term tampering. Like I mm -hmm. like I understand that it happens and it was inevitable. I've been the number one person telling everybody constantly on this podcast or telling Vanderbilt fans like this is going to happen. It's going to be free agency. I don't give a shit what the guidelines say, but this is against the rules. Like recruiting guys based on their NIL value and just openly recruiting them into these collectives and being paid eighty, a hundred thousand dollars to make three trips to the local food bank and play football with a, with some kids at the park. Like this is just <laughs> stupid. I don't know why every major media outlet is maintaining this facade. Like everything's hunky dory in college athletics. This is free agency, professional free agency being mm -hmm. done with absolutely no barriers <laughs> or rules around it. It's the wild West right now. This is what you get. It, you yep. have very strict rules in professional leagues on when communication can happen between these players, when contracts can be broken, and there's monetary consequences to these contracts and different problems, fines. You have none of that in the NCAA. The NCAA just lit a bomb and walked away and said, best efforts, we're an outdated dinosaur, we might as well just give up. And now you're kind of reaping what you're going to say. This isn't going to get better. Like Vanderbilt taken out of the scenario, like it's not good in the basketball program, but just overall in college athletics, like this is only going to get worse. And it's only going to be more of a perpetual cycle of like, well, I guess we'll see when the season starts, who's on the roster. Because this is post-spring practice transferring. 
Like, I just want to say, like, you're already you've had that's why it's weird workouts with this roster. Yeah. Like, the team is together. You're through spring ball. Spring ball. You've had your spring game. Pretty much every team has had their spring game, and now you're going to transfer before you head into summer workouts. It just doesn't make sense, and it screams something dirty under the tables going on. And you mentioned Colorado. Yeah. Well, Trev, I think Darius Darden Box, if he does, I was go about to, Colorado, to bring that up, would be involved. In that and yep. college, it's a my brother said this today. It's a slimy business. Mm-hmm. I mean, it it just is. So I wouldn't be surprised if it was Colorado. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. B- Billy brought it up. Uh, for those of you who don't remember him, uh, Darius Darden Box um, was on the recruiting staff of Vanderbilt football uh, and then took the job at Colorado. So he is, uh, I believe, Colorado's director of recruiting. Um, yes. So he's already got a relationship with Richard with Corey Phillips, um, a guy who was also yeah. at Vanderbilt. And also, too, works uh, works with a team, Colorado, that quite frankly has been plagued by by transfer portal guys. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, I, I I'm I'm right there with Will. I, I will say though, it there is a I don't want to be super negative and like hit the panic button right now because even though it is post spring, um, which I totally agree is a super super weird time to transfer. There still is time to get a guy in, have him in summer workouts, have him in fall camp, and have him acclimated by the time the season starts. So I'm not going to hit the panic button yet. Um, If we get to – it's like late April right now. If we get to July, if we get to July and this is still a glaring problem, then everybody should be hitting the panic button. Um, but right now, like I'm, I'm just more angry than anything else. Like, I don't even know if like bummed out is the right term, but like, I'm angry. Not that he's like deciding to go to another school, but I'm angry because this, this NIL, this tampering, it's just, I don't know how you fix it. And like, I totally agree. Like the NCAA, like what you said is an outdated dinosaur to where, not only are they a dinosaur, but they're a dinosaur that's sitting on their hands and just allowing it. And they're like, well, like, don't know what to do. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know how much more obvious things like this have to be before you step in. Like, it's like it's so like if we talk about the CJ Taylor thing. That was blatantly obvious that people who work in the football insider industry are like, yes, tampering did occur. I mean, just this past week, people who work for 24-7 who are bigwigs were like, yeah, Alabama tampered trying to get Tyler Van Dyke from Miami. So, like, and just nothing is happening. And, like, yes, should Vanderbilt or should – would we all like to see Vanderbilt upgrade at NIL? Yes, totally. Like, I think if you say no, you're kidding yourself. Is Vanderbilt behind the ball in NIL? Yes, both those things can be true. But it can also be true that even though they're behind the eight ball, you're still getting cheated. You know what I mean? And so mm-hmm. it's just like – and and we, we had this discussion last night in the Twitter spaces, but obviously it wasn't revolving around football. It was revolving around Tyron Lawrence, the NIL – and I brought up the mention of there's got to be some sort of some sort of cap. Um, but then someone tweeted, they're like, well, in the NFL or any other professional agency, there's not it's it's a cap for your playing ability, not the idea of your name, image and likeness. I totally like 
I get what that person was saying. I very Idiot. much disagree. I, I think that there has <laughs> to be because at this point, you're you're using the facade of name, image, and likeness, and you're really just doing it on somebody's value. So it's really about the value they can bring to your team, but you're just masquerading it around as you're like, oh, well, it's it's just so we can like put them on a billboard of a supermarket, like you said, or we can sell their football jerseys. It's simply a facade. You're looking in the portal. Who's the most talented? I'll pay him however much to get him to come to my school. That's what it is. So like, and I get, I hate to go on a tangent, but I understand that this is very, very new. But dear God, like, how is there not any sort of guidelines before this? Like, how NCAA is one of the is the biggest governing body whenever it comes to amateur athletics, and you're telling me there was no guidelines? Like, I mean, come on, dude, just you're setting up you're setting up schools to fail. And I, if you weren't in the spaces last night, Will brought up a great a great point. It's always been like this. It's always the big guys beat the little guys. It'll always be like that. It's just much more open now. Mm-hmm. And, and so people still don't care. And so it's just yeah. it's frustrating. That's, that's, that's why the... Clark – I'll go here real quick. That's why Clark has talked about, you know, NIL is not going to be a centerpiece for us. Right, it's it's not going to be what we rely on because, quite frankly, they can't. Right, he he knows Vanderbilt cannot and will not be able to rely on NIL. So, and and I'll get to this later. We have a good question coming up from from a fan. How is Vandy going to deal with the NIL and transfer portal? We'll get to that. But well, that's why he said things like that before, right? But for Vanderbilt, you have to do something to counteract, right, or else it will get worse. Now, I don't think it gets worse to a point that the sky starts to fall and, and we worry about, you know, where are guys going, why are so many guys leaving, like the basketball program. But, again, you ha- there, there has to be some sort of method and at least an attempt to counteract teams from tampering. I know it, it feels impossible, right? I mean, it, it's it's hard to do. That's like, I mean, that's that's an impossible task. But that's why Clark has talked about that it's not going to be a center point for us, right? It's not going to be a focus of our program. Uh, yes. I mean, 100%. It's, it's like a slow moving train. It's the fact that people are surprised that this is happening is kind of crazy to me. And that's the part that Trevor, you had on, there needs to be regulation. I agree. And this is one of the big issues is most people just don't have an understanding of how markets work. That's one of the few things in this life that I do understand. I it's what my degree was in masters in it and the professional athletics are not a free market at all they are the exact opposite of a free market there are minimum and maximum salaries that can be paid and there are salary caps on every single team because right now in the NFL there are about 15 quarterbacks that would be being paid $250 million a year. And a bunch of players on those rosters would be being, being paid 30, 35 K a year. If this was truly a free market. So this is the stupidity of this entire conversation is everybody's talking about how unfair it would be to place regulations or caps or whatever it is on this NIL. That's exactly what the NFL and the NBA do. There is a salary cap. Or you can take the baseball perspective, which is you don't have that. And then you're going to have the same teams be good year after year after year after year after year after year. year, And no opportunity for the little guys to ever actually 
improve. Now, this Absolutely. is where it wraps. This is where it wraps around. The little guy <clears throat> in traditional college athletics prior to NIL also never had an opportunity to improve in the bad programs pretty much outside of a few kind of scenarios for the most part, pretty much remained the same teams and you'd slowly have the cycle change however it is. But this doesn't really change anything in the grand scheme of things. The Blue Bloods are still getting the best players. Uh, the mid-level and lower-level Power 5 teams and mid-major teams are still having to fight for scraps and be more strategic. All this dirty stuff is just out in the air, out in the open now. And everybody's absolutely shocked that these teams are not adhering to exactly how the vague and terribly written NCAA regulations and policies were laid out. What? These teams are more concerned Tampering? with improving their program and winning and not worried about the toothless punishment that the NCAA literally has no power to levy. This is crazy. It's just <laughs> like the writers on 24-7, the writers on ESPN, the writers on The Athletic. I mean, guys, are you this fucking dumb? This is your job. How did you not see this coming in the NIL era? That's the end of my rant on this, and I'm sure I'll go on another one later in this episode because <laughs> it genuinely infuriates me at my core how dumb the overall conversation surrounding this is. This is a ticking time bomb. Like eventually there's going to be an NIL deal or there's going to be something happen that is so obvious and so absurd that it's going to force the hand of the NCAA or some organization to regulate it. I don't know what it's going to be. I don't know if it's going to be Alabama football having a car dealership pay a quarterback $10 million a year at 18 years old. I don't know what it's going to be, but there's going to be something that's going to be a pause moment that says, okay, maybe we need to do something. I don't think it's completely taking away the rights of these guys to transfer the rights of these guys to make money off their name, image, and likeness because that's been long overdue. But there needs to be some type of regulation on this because right now, it's literally the Wild West, and guys are still getting taken advantage of, even with this opaque, weird transfer portal that we have. Well, I think, and this is the last thing I'll say, I think logically the next thing that'll happen is you'll start to see college football players unionize and start to form a collect and start to offer up a collective bargaining agreement. The CBA. And, and then if you're the NCAA, like, I mean, you made the mess. You got to sit in it. You know what I mean? Like this is the difference, though. This is the difference is college that who, whatever name is on the back of the jersey. This is where what is lost, I think, on most people. No fan in college. You can, you love Jay Cutler, Earl Bennett, Jordan Matthews, the great players at your university. But it's not about the name on the back of the jersey at all in college. That's not why people love college athletics. Mm -hmm. You support your local school and you have and, and no matter what, and you love the history of that school. That's what makes college athletics great. The value is not being created by the players. People will go and sell out a stadium to go watch the equivalent of fraternity intramural athletes suit up in the school's colors and go out there. Like you're there for the school, not for the player. And that's what I think is lost is, yes, these people are paying college athletes and 18-year-olds to come to their school, but they're not actually creating the school's value, if that makes any sense at all. Like they have no actual value. The school that they are playing for is what is creating that player's value. And I don't know if that made any sense. I very much hope it did. But I think that is like the, the nuance that's not even being talked about. Yeah, the, the negatives outweigh yeah. the positives here. 
Tyron like has no are... value. Like Tyron has no brand value. Brand, the brand value Tyron Lawrence has is only because he went to Vanderbilt and hit the buzzer beater against UT. Nobody in any of these other fan bases legitimately is going to see Tyron Lawrence advertising for a company in their local community and go, whoa, Tyron Lawrence. Well, I'm definitely going to stop by that dealership. He's going to be there for a meet and greet in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Like nobody (laughs) gives a shit. They care because it's Alabama basketball player or or what have you. That's why they're going there. They're not going there because it's this player. There are very, very, very few college athletes that have legitimate marketable value for their name, image, and likeness disassociated from the university. And Mm -hmm. that's, that's the, that's the shady shit. And all this NIL is none of these players have any marketable value at all. And they're still being paid these absurd amounts by these collectives and little shady deals and these local communities and what have you. And overall, I don't think it's all negative, but. Yeah. But I think right at where we're at right now, the negatives outweigh the, like there are positives, right? But the negatives, they feel so glaring. And the bottom line is that the NCAA has lost all control, right? They have lost all control there. It's the wild West. And that's the biggest reason I think why we're in this age right now and in college athletics. So Jadis Richards, and this will be the last thing I say. I didn't mean to cut you off, Billy. And and I, I hammered on this, but I, I I literally cannot stop thinking about this. Yes, the big schools are always going to pillage the little schools, but like Colorado is not that much better than at football than Vanderbilt is. Mm-hmm. But like, it is just like, what more does a school have to do before some governing body is like? I think that's against the rules. You know, like, I I just don't – and they're so open about it. Like, I literally think it took Robbie Weinstein, like, 15 minutes to be like, yeah, it's NIL. Like, it's not like this is some cryptic code. Like, it's so out in the open, and they're just like, oh, don't know what to do. Like, that's the frustrating part to me is because, like, Gosh, I you, can't, why this... like Wilson, you can't do that in professional sports. Like, mm-hmm. dude, if you do that in professional sports, you get crucified, you get hammered. Yeah. But like, I mean, yeah, j- uh, hit up, hit up Richard after post practice and just send him a text and be like, Hey man, 50 K to come to Boulder. Because they I have regulated like standardized, regular standardized contracts that are signed across these professional leagues with very clearly laid out guidelines of when this player can be released from this team, when it, whenever all these situations, how much of their compensation is related to on-field performance versus what's guaranteed versus what is their base salary. Like that's the problem is none of these are standardized across the board. So at any time, these NILs, like you saw in the Florida situation where they promised to recruit this insane amount of money. I don't remember his name. And then they were unable to actually pull together the Rashada. Oh, yes. That is actually what I was getting at is like, that's what is going to be the thing that's going to happen are these crazy promises, but there's no regulatory agency backing up that these promises are true. And that's happened forever in college athletics with the big booster coming in, giving a little nudge of the shoulder saying, we'll give you this. But there was no there was no judgment at the end if it actually happened. There was no authority to report it to. There was nothing down on paper publicly that there was this deal in place. Now there is. And now there's records of these, you know, interactions between 
uh, mm-hmm. recruits and between these boosters, donors, collectives. And that's just going to happen more and more. These absurd NIL contracts that are going to, these players are going to come in at 18, not pan out. And then they're going to be like, well, we're not going to pay you that anymore. You suck. And then they're done because there's no way to not be taken advantage of. And at the end of the day, the 17, 18, 19, 20 year old student athlete is going to be taken advantage of by large collectives of experienced, wealthy businessmen and donors. It Especially when the majority of them not don't have agents. Situation. That's the mm-hmm. part that like, this is, it sounds good in theory. It's like the ignorant person that doesn't fully understand. Like this sounds like it's beneficial to student athletes in the short term. It will be in the long term. It's going to be being taken advantage of and lied to on a whole different level. And so maybe that's a little dramatic, but maybe I'm just sad about Vanderbilt basketball. In all <laughs> well, we've got Tyron Lawrence to talk about as well and how that, directly impacts the Vanderbilt program. Spent three years at Vandy, had a breakout year last year, averaged 13 a game, four rebounds. For me, guys, and, and I said this on the spaces, he, and, and we both, we all agree, he was the one guy that we were still leaving out hope for, right? He, he was the guy that, okay, Vanderbilt still has Tyron Lawrence. They have a core piece to to rely on. They have other core pieces, like an Ezra Magnon and maybe a Colin Smith, he can even throw him in there. Right, you have a a core of guys that you, that you sort of still have faith in, but now Tyron Lawrence enters the portal. Oh, and what 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 do you know? NIL was involved, right? Re- reportedly, he didn't he didn't like the um, the NIL package that Vanderbilt attempted to provide, and I think that's where we need to go with this because we had a fan question about how does Vandy approach NIL and the transfer portal. And we can just go ahead and get to it with, with this Tyron Lawrence news. But first, what does this mean for the program? For me, it it's a sign of the times. What do you know? Another player entered the, entered the portal. I don't. I can't even keep track of how many guys have entered the portal now. What what is it? Is it seven? I think it. I think it's yeah, seven guys enter the portal. I mean, that definitely leads the, the SEC. It's got to be tops in the country, at least top five, top it's ten, somewhere up there. Top um, your top five scores. Yeah, your top five scores. Nine of your seventy-two points are gone, I believe. I mean, oh my god, that's so you look, bad. And 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 with this, guys, I start to think about the players on the team right now. Like, what 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 are they thinking? What's wrong. a guy? What's a guy like Ezra Magnone thinking, or Colin Smith, or Lee Dort? Like the 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 Will Smith meme of just looking around at an empty house, saying, "Where is everybody?" Like that's that's what I start to think about here. Like, do they? Is anybody else up and leave? Is is this program really going to die in, in front of our faces? Not that it already hasn't, but for me, the hope is lost. I mean, I I I don't want to be doom and gloom, but it's it's impossible to not be right now. And I think, Will, you hit it on the head. That can't make a move right now, right? That would be program suicide. Um, Bryce Drew. I think we've said this before. He already killed Vanderbilt basketball to an extent, but Stackhouse was able to revive it. He he was able to stabilize it to a point, and it's. But now all of a sudden it's it's in a worse spot, and and I it's I'm bringing up it's bringing up Derek Mason PTSD at 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 this moment. Um. So yeah. well, I agree with you when you said in the spaces they can't make a move. That would be program suicide. At the same time, would a switch help aid it? Right. Like, like, but that probably means more players transfer out. Right. So it's, it's the conundrum. The conundrum continues. The roller coaster ride continues. 
I think Robbie tweeted yesterday, what a reality TV show Vanderbilt basketball has turned into. I mean, you had the Jerry Stackhouse Instagram post. I don't even know what that was. He, he oh was touting. God. He was touting professional athletes that he's he's developed. Three of them were guys that left his program, transferred out. Jordan Wright, Tyron Lawrence, um, William Robbins. William Robbins didn't transfer out, but he's no longer with Stack. But it's just, it's just a mess. And there's really no way. There, there's no way around it. I mean, we, we kind of towed the line at, after each transfer, right? We we kind of kept, kind of trying to make make an excuse for it. But at this point, I mean, this program is is in almost as worse a spot as when Stackhouse got here. It's not quite that bad, but it feels like you're you went up and now you're headed back down. Now all of a sudden, Stack has proved us wrong, right? He could he could up and pick up a couple transfers. And all of a sudden, you get back to thinking maybe this is an NIT team. But at the same time, guys, the, the state of the program is awful. And I asked the question, what does this mean for the program? Because for me, it means most of the hope is lost for any type of success next season. Like that That's from my perspective. We were very, I would say, doing the opposite of Chicken Little running around saying the sky is falling with every single transfer as much as possible up until Tyron Lawrence. And we said multiple times that most of our takes were going to come down to if Tyron Lawrence returned. And I don't think we ever thought that he would be transferring. I think in my opinion, I saw it as he'd be going into the NBA draft, which I thought would be a bad decision or he'd be returning to Vanderbilt and improving his draft stock. The NIL thing, we I, I've given my opinion on that in the beginning of this podcast. And I went off on it in the spaces as well, but I used, used the phrase that there's smoke, there's fire. And this program for a while, we've been trying to say, ah, that smoke's not smoke. You know, it's maybe just burning off some fat. It's burning off the garbage, getting the program back where it needs to be, cleaning it up, keeping the talent. Uh, and Stack maybe had some hard conversations with these guys that have transferred out. There's, there's no way to spin that this team will be able to replace Tyron Lawrence with anyone that is remotely as productive as he would have been this upcoming season. And I think if this was year three for Jerry Stackhouse or year two, that this might be a different perspective, but this is year five. And the expectations for year five for Jerry Stackhouse are to make the NCAA tournament. I mean, this isn't time for what was probably going to be your leading scorer going into next season to be transferring out. You can't be replacing this with younger talent to build for the future we are way past that. Vanderbilt fans are way past the build for the future. Just wait until you can get your guys. You got your guys. You got your talent in here that you brought in, you recruited, and they fucking left. And they don't like playing for you. And you retained Colin Smith, Ezra Mignon, and Lee Dort and left almost no talent on this roster. Uh, legitimate NCAA tournament successful talent on this roster. And here we are. You're going to go into year five with the expectation being at best, this team is going to be an NIT tournament team for the third year in a row. That is not the expectations of Vanderbilt basketball. Mm -mm. Jerry Stackhouse will not be the coach of Vanderbilt in 2024, 2025 market down, hot take, whatever it is. He's either leaving for the Toronto Raptors job and replacing Nick nurse uh, because he did have previous career coaching experience mm -hmm. for their nine Oh five Raptors G league affiliate in toronto uh so he's familiar with that organization and that may have contributed 
we don't know, to Tyron Lawrence leaving or the murmurs about Jerry Stackhouse possibly uh, being a candidate to replace Nick Nurse of the Toronto Raptors, who was fired, I believe, four days ago. Could be wrong on that one, but I've seen his name mentioned in a few discussions about that coaching vacancy, like Mm -hmm. we saw uh, in the Detroit Pistons job that Jerry put out the tweet about. He hasn't said anything about the Raptors job as those rumors have begun to circulate. And then coincidentally, a couple days after Nurse is fired, Jerry Stackhouse's best player transfers out due to quote-unquote NIL package issues. So I'm not 100% sure I fully buy into that. We will see what happens with Jerry Stackhouse as these NBA rumors continue to swirl. But obviously he has lost control of this program. Anybody that's making any type of case that this is within some type of plan or is putting the program in a better spot, all of that flew out the window when Tyron Lawrence transferred. There is Mm -hmm. absolutely no way that you can spin anything you have seen thus far after the end of that Vanderbilt basketball season that you can say this program's in a better spot than it was at the end of the season. You've lost basically everyone. I mean, I know I said that at the beginning of this rant, but I just want to repeat it. You've had seven guys transfer out. I believe 59 of your 72 points. Every single player outside of Colin Smith that was someone to build on for the future is gone. Do you have an answer? Evan Taylor can't replace everyone. And that's the only guy that is going to be a day one contributor that Jerry Stackhouse has brought in. And it's kind of sad, the lack of rumors and swirling news that we have seen for guys coming to Vanderbilt. I think Jerry posted a damn picture on his Instagram story of him at some party get together uh, saying, great job hosting this event with him. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Fucking videos. It sent me into an anger that I cannot describe to you as to how much it appears that Jerry doesn't care about this Vanderbilt basketball program, doesn't care uh, about the perception that he's driving it into the ground. Um, he just doesn't care. Jerry kind of seen that from day one. He cares about Jerry Stackhouse. Jerry Stackhouse I, I was, cares about Jerry Stackhouse. I was just going to say that. He, I, I was going to say that. The disrespect he had, the interaction with Slay on SEC Network, whatever, like, He cares if he is personally disrespected, but he cares about Jerry. Day one, you felt it in every interview you've had. And I think that has been the disconnect from fans from day one is Jerry just doesn't care about this program. And maybe he can get a lie detector test and prove me wrong, but I bet a lot of money. Jerry has a lot more money than I do, so it probably wouldn't be a bet that had any consequence to him. But I'd say on a lie detector test that if you asked him straight up, yes or no, do you care about the success and long-term success of Vanderbilt basketball? He'd have to answer that question with a big resounding no. And, and, and well, I, is NIL involved with Tyron? Yes, it is. Uh, it is an undeniable fact, but like you said, where there's smoke, there's fire. And I don't think you can totally chalk up this t- as as much as I want to blame it on NIL. And I do think it has a part to play. Is Vanderbilt behind the eight balls? We said yes, totally are. There is room for improvement. But like you said, where there's smoke, there's fire. Bryce Smith with the Vandy Hustler does a great job. He tweeted this out. Vanderbilt's recruiting classes. Listen to this. 2019, Dylan DeSue transfer. Jordan Wright transfer. Otten Yankovic, transfer, Scottie Pippen Jr., NBA, 20, 
Tyron Lawrence, transfer. Trey Thomas, transfer. Miles Studi, transfer. Gabe Dorsey, transfer. Daniels, transfer. Dazoni, transfer. All gone. This is this is you. You can blame it on NIL all you want, and does it play a factor? Yeah, but all those, a lot of those other guys didn't get NIL. They didn't transfer because they were getting offered a bigger paycheck. I think you're right. They transfer because people just don't like playing for Jerry Stackhouse. Now that graphic he put up, uh, it to where there has been improvement. I mean, yeah, numbers don't lie, I guess, but but they get improved, and then they're like, okay, well. Uh, I'm out of here. So is Vanderbilt just going to continue to be a perennial um, stepping stone for these kids to maybe come in up their stats, stats a little bit and then transfer on that sounds to me like a Juco team. That's to me, it sounds like kids who couldn't get their offers that they originally wanted come to Vanderbilt up their up their numbers and then dip and leave to somewhere else. Like, is this what Vanderbilt basketball is now? Cause that's sort of what it feels like. Well, Jerry Stackhouse has has never treated Vanderbilt as I'm going to build this program, right? I'm going to build this program. I'm going to rebuild Vanderbilt basketball. No, this was a stepping stone for Jerry Stackhouse to the NBA. That's what it always was from the beginning, and it's still that. It nothing's changed, right? J- Will you hit it on the head? Jerry Stackhouse does not care about the Vanderbilt basketball program. He doesn't care about the Nashville community. He doesn't care about the fans that love and support Vanderbilt basketball, right? I mean, he, he cares about Jerry Stackhouse and he cares about his next job and his future. And part of me doesn't blame him for that, but he that's not a fit for Vanderbilt, right? And it never was a fit for Vandy. Jerry Stackhouse was never a fit at Vandy. Never was. And yeah, he had some good he had some good performances, right? There were some good times. This season was fun as hell but it was never going to work out the way Vanderbilt fans needed it to work out and wanted it to work out, right? And, and it, nothing's really changed. I mean, that, that's, that's how it's always been. That's how, how it still is. Yeah. You know, I, I think I like 100% agree and also disagree with what you just said. Like I 100% agree Stack was never the long-term solution to Vanderbilt basketball. Like, I, I even think diehard, like, true believer Vanderbilt fans knew that this was a stepping stone job for Jerry Stackhouse. But where they were after the Bryce Drew debacle is I think they were trying to hire a kind of a splash outside the box guy that would have two, three, four years of coming from an 0-18 SEC season and get some talent like Scottie Pippen Jr., like Kenyon Martin Jr., who was initially included in that recruiting class and decided to play uh, professional overseas basketball instead of attending Vanderbilt. And and Dylan, just get some talent in at the beginning, bring them up from the decrepit, horrible pits of hell that Bryce Drew brought them to. Stack would get his stepping stone job as a head coach, move on to the NBA, and not have to worry about the program building aspect that is college athletics and being a college basketball head coach from the beginning what is jerry stackhouse's culture inside of vanderbilt basketball that's a question you know you can you can make fun of Derek mason but but branding was never Derek mason's problem trying to build a culture of whatever it is it can be made fun of rti relentless tough intelligent like he at least had an idea of what he was trying to do and turn around the program there is no brand associated with Jerry Stackhouse, mediocrity, 
and have it be, I think Jerry Stackhouse is Jerry Stackhouse's program brand and being a good X's and O's head coach and wearing incredibly well-tailored suits on his six, seven frame with shoes that don't match. Like that's been his persona and it is cool. It is Jerry Stackhouse. I get that. There's a ceiling to that term. It's all about Jerry Stackhouse. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm not, but I don't think you, to an extent, every coach is that way that they're egomaniacs. They need to be in charge of every great coach. You kind of hear that. So I'm not saying that aspect is wrong, but there's net, you never felt the connection of like, this guy is truly dying from winning or losing. Like he was more concerned with after the game, if he was taking the blame or if the performance of the players was taking the blame or the Duke UNC losses. Exactly. Because he is trying to build a resume that is appealing and being viewed as positive from NBA GMs and NBA organizations and having the blame placed on the inferior talent that he's been able to recruit into Vanderbilt and being able to being unable to maintain players on his roster. Well, that's not his job in the NBA. So all he needs to worry about showing that he can do as a head coach is managing rotations, which he's done a horrendous job of at Vanderbilt and is like the number one issue uh, outside of his benevolent dictator comments and his style (laughs) that has been an issue for NBA GMs. But the other part is he's always been focused and you've heard it in press clipping or in uh, announcers saying it, read it in articles, press clippings. He's a great X's and O's coach. That's always seemed to be a narrative that's repeated over and over. That's not an accident. That's how he wants to be viewed because it improves the brand of the Jerry Stackhouse coaching career. There's nothing wrong with that, but he's not a guy that's going to build your program for the future. And right now, I mean, you're seeing him basically uh, bring Vanderbilt back to where it was when he came in, unfortunately. Let, let's go ahead and get to, and, I, and we're going to continue that the Stackhouse conversation as long as he is still at Vanderbilt. Um, but we had a good Which question. Which for just this year. <laughs> yeah. We had a question from Vandy Cat on, uh, on Twitter. He or she asks, how are they going to deal with the transfer portal and NIL money? And that ties right into, and we'll get into Vandy Tennessee baseball, but I want to get this question answered in an attempt to answer this question. Um, and it ties right in with Tyron Lawrence, Jadis Richard, and, and it's on the minds of Vanderbilt fans right now, right? That's all Vanderbilt fans seem to want to talk about right now. Oh, we we cannot compete in this day and age of NIL and the transfer portal. It's just too much for us. We're, we're, we're Vanderbilt. We're, we're not going to be able to compete. So I ask you guys, how does Vanderbilt deal with today's age of college athletics. I know we've talked a lot about it already. For me, and y'all hit on it on the spaces, Vanderbilt has, they don't have the quantity, but they have the quality of donors, right? They they have big time donors that will shell out money. All it takes is one person, right? I mean, that 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 could have been all it all it all it takes for a guy like Tyron Lawrence. We don't know. Maybe Jadis Richard. We don't know. But I think it takes a little bit more from the athletic department. And I know they've got a lot to worry about. They've got Vandy United funds to worry about. They're they're tearing down their football stadium right now. They've got all that to worry about. But in today's day and age, you cannot forget about the impact of NIL on your athletic department. So for me, I think the athletic department needs to step up, make that call to a John Ingram, make that call to a Frist, make that call to whoever you you have to call 
and take that extra step, right? Take that 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 next step because I I mean maybe they have, right? Maybe they have tried that, and maybe it just hasn't worked out with these guys. But for me, I I just think it takes another step from Vanderbilt administrators saying, okay, we we've got to do more, right? We we've got to do more. It's not like I know I talked about Clark Lee saying, oh, we're we're going to ignore not ignore NIL, but it's not going to be the center point. Well, it's the center point of college athletics right now, right? And and you have to be somewhat involved. I think for Vanderbilt to in the future retain a guy like Tyron Lawrence, maybe a Jadis Richard type down the road, you've got to do a little bit more, right? And and I say Vanderbilt has the quality over quantity, right? Like a Tennessee or an LSU, they've got so many different donors that they can they can ask. I think it just takes a little bit more. I know that might sound like a stupid answer, but it's a really good question, and I think it's a good discussion point because that's all Vandy fans want to talk about right now. I know we've talked about it a lot, but, Will, for me, y'all probably have better answers, but for me, I just think it takes a little bit more, right? Make that one call, that that ask John Ingram again, ask whoever again to say, hey, we have this player. He needs a nice NIL package. Let's Let's blow it out of the park here. Let's let's give him a grand slam package. So that I to me, it's just it takes that home run package. It takes that grand slam package for that player to stay. And you've got a lot to market. Well, you can market the city of Nashville, right? I mean, there's a ton of opportunities. I know we've talked about this a lot, but to me, I just think it takes another step, another level, and elevate your profile in that way. This is the weird part about nil. It can't be Vanderbilt's athletic department. Because that is the big separation of NIL. Like it can't be through the university, these donations. That's why these collectives were created. And and I'm gonna say something. I don't know the back end. It's very, it's very complicated, all this, but the proof is in the pudding. And right now, the Vanderbilt collectives are just not getting the job done. And, and I'm not saying that means they've done nothing. They they've signed a lot of the talent on the football roster. They combined with the anchor collective um into whatever they're their official name is now. I can't remember the Anchor Impact Fund. Um, and, and I'm not saying they've done nothing. So I get, you could take out this part and, and make me sound really dumb. But if you've lost all the talent off your basketball roster, then clearly you're not doing something because you're asking for donations from average fans. I'm sure there are large other donors involved, but they can't be in, too incredibly large of donors. They can't be too incredibly involved. They can't be too consistently knocking on the doors of these incredibly wealthy Nashville businesses that are seeking marketing opportunities. They they can't be being incredibly aggressive talking to Johnny Ingram and, and these wealthy Vanderbilt graduates because something's not getting done. And this is my issue overall with Vanderbilt fans is they always seem to have a problem calling a spade a spade. And I don't know if it's just the tradition and lack of success at Vanderbilt but right now, the the NIL collectives related to Vanderbilt athletics are simply not doing enough. It's I'm not saying it's fair. I'm not saying Vanderbilt has the same automatic resources that every other university has. I went into it on Twitter Spaces last night that 9% of Vanderbilt's undergraduate students are from the state of Tennessee versus around 70, 75% of Tennessee's undergraduate students are from in-state, not even getting in to the actual number of undergrads, which at Vanderbilt's like seven, eight, nine thousand undergrads and at UT's 
30, 35, 40,000. Mm-hmm. So that's a whole different level. But Vanderbilt faces unique challenges. Okay, we've established it's going to be tougher at Vanderbilt to succeed than it is going to be at Alabama or Georgia. We all knew that. So I don't want to hear it as an excuse when you have the worst NIL collective in the SEC that produces absolutely no valuable content for fans and doesn't even send a fucking thank you email or monthly newsletter. Step up and be better. That's my issue. You can ask for money all the time, but show me what you're going to do with it. Because right now you're not providing anything for fans. And those are the people that are going to make the 10, 20, $30 monthly donation that are going to be the base of your collective. And right now you're not giving anything to fans. You're just asking to take from Vanderbilt fans who have already always been taken from and never given anything in return. So you're asking people that have been in an abusive relationship for the past 50 years to give more money to a university that has never shown them that they know how to put that money to good use. And now you're just another extension and inefficient arm of that athletic department that has consistently pissed away millions of dollars for the last 40 years. And so I don't I don't have the solution. I don't own a collective. It's complicated, hard work. I'm sure those guys are doing something. But whatever they're doing is not enough and be better. That's the end of my rant. That is all Vanderbilt can do. There's nothing that individual fans can do. Uh, the owners, I won't drop names. If you guys want to, you can, because I don't want to get public criticism on them right now. But that's it. The NIL collective needs to step up and do more. Simple. I mean, and I, I haven't been on TDR as long as as the founders here, plus Jalen Merrick's known founder and owner of TDR. <laughs> um, I don't know if there's ever been a rant uh, or, or even an argument given on this platform that, quite frankly, I've agreed with more. As soon as I'm 26, as soon as I turned 18, I and I got my first job. I started making very, very small donations to the National Commodore Club because I worked at Kroger and I was making like seven thirty-five an hour. But I still made very, very small donations to the Commodore Club. My dad for years made donations to the Commodore Club. There are fans who listen to this and who are who interact with us and fans all over Twitter who have given to Vanderbilt Athletics through the National Commodore Club, through buying season tickets, through buying merch, through the Vanderbilt website or the Vanderbilt bookstore. And they're guys who are just like us. They're guys who have... They're guys and and gals who have families, who have regular jobs that they have to go to. They have bills they have to pay, who have already given so much to an athletic program that really has given them nothing in return. I mean, whenever the NIL collective got started, and I I don't want to to nag on these guys because thank God Vanderbilt at least has an NIL collective. Because I remember for the first couple months, we were like, where the hell is it, dude? Like, (laughs) Somebody get something. I'll go knock on people's doors if you need me to. Just freaking get something up and running. And thank God, at least Vanderbilt has something. They have secured your quarterback, your star wide receiver, and your star defensive player on football and C.J. Taylor, Swan, and Shepard. Not knocking them. Wonderful job. 100%. But, like, I I totally agree. Like, I – 
Vanderbilt has always had this issue with there is a separation between Kirkland and McGugan. It's always been like that. Mm-hmm. Now that Chancellor Deermeyer is in, hopefully they begin to merge a little bit more. And I think you're you're able to see that. With that being said, I mean, do you guys remember whenever it became public that Vanderbilt took a lot of its SEC money and put it towards the science building? Like this is this is not new to Vanderbilt fans. Vanderbilt, just as a university, not as athletics, has an eleven billion dollar endowment. That is the second most in all of the SEC behind Texas A&M. And so like the money is there. It's just not there for athletics. And it's so frustrating. Like as the university, is there like any way in hell that you can budget it? Take some of that money. This is where it gets hazy is that they can't technically, I know it's slimy, but like, I just like to always keep everyone reminding these NIL deals have to be auditable completely separate from the university yes totally totally complicated part yes now that for nil but just for the university yeah that has historically not funded athletics like can you take some of that money but like just for the nil man like i get it there's guys like we've all donated to the anchor collective we all have payment plans to the anchor collective fans who listen to this have have payment plans to the anchor collective the the regular fan the regular diehard fan has always given their money to Vanderbilt and like Will said, has gotten nothing in return. That was the biggest thing about the national Commodore club is you give and you give and you give, but then you're like, yo, where the hell is my money going to? And I can't even get the best you get is like maybe every two years you get a car decal. That's it. And so it's just, I totally agree. Like I, I get it. Vanderbilt offers a, a unique, and different challenge that other sec institutions don't have to deal with but jesus christ man something something has to give eventually and i'm sure behind the wall they're busting their balls and and they're and they're they're working hard i get it but like some of these big name donors like i don't want to really harp on johnny ingram because dude has given more money than i can even fathom to vanderbilt athletics shout out to the frist as well but like there was a rumor that john ingram um said, hey, I'm going to give $1 million, I'm going to match up to $1 million of donations to Vanderbilt Athletics. No other donor matched it. What in God's name are you guys doing? Like, you're telling me that these millionaires and billionaires couldn't be like, oh, yeah, like, I'll, get, I'll throw $70,000 to Tyron Lawrence's NIL package. It's like... It, Am, am I losing my mind here? Because I honestly feel like I am whenever I think about it. And, like, I get it. You're like, oh, well, Vanderbilt's not winning, so why would they want to give money? Well, in my opinion, someone changed my mind. That's not how athletics works. You don't win and then give. You give and then win. It's all – it's an arms race. It's always Chicken been man. an arms race. It's always will be an arms race. So, like, if people are if people are waiting for Vanderbilt – and I get it. You, you want to see results before you give your hard-earned money. Totally understand that. But, like, for these people who are big-name donors to Vanderbilt Athletics, like, I mean, dear God, guys, come on. Like, throw something. And, and like I said, I don't want to harp too much because Vandy United, they raised over $300 million. We are seeing, like – renovations to Vanderbilt athletics that we've literally never seen in the history of Vanderbilt athletics. But whenever it comes to the NIL, like, I mean, 
it's you don't just need 300 gonna, it, you don't need 300 million you need like 80,000 for a dude nil mm-hmm. is really something this is why i'm harping on the collective there are a lot of businesses that would be happy to be involved in the nashville area in the local sec schools collective regardless of what level that is at what level of involvement what level of payment and donation or whatever it is you just haven't seen any of that that's been my issue i think you saw one post with will shepherd with the boys and girls club that's awesome but that's a local charity community involvement where you have donors to the nil collective versus a real strategic approach which i think that the collectives are just not doing which is vanderbilt's unique they don't have the 70 percent in-state graduates that care about athletics you're probably looked down upon if you're a very wealthy donor and graduate of Vanderbilt University and you choose to donate to the athletics department over an academic project that they mm-hmm. need money for, that's the difference. Is 13 of the other 14, 13 out of the other SEC schools, all of that is the opposite. You'd be looked down upon for assisting in building whatever, or it would be kind of equal. And also another part a we'll science building. Exactly. It's how much of that money and how many of these donations in the past, we talked about, you know, the average fans donations to the Commodore club and where's that money going and the SEC checks being allocated to academic projects consistently until they were called out for it. Thank God. But how many times in the past do you think those guys that we are talking about have been pitched an idea, have donated money and then not seen those funds correctly allocated or put in program? They Totally. I think that is what is happening. The issue with the Commodore Club. So it's where I sit with the collective that from the beginning, we had the we had the guys on that were part of the Anchor Collective, and, and now that's merged into the Anchor Impact Fund. And I didn't want to, because it was new. Like you were just kind of seeing it and, it, and it's no, I'm not meaning to sound hateful, because I'm very thankful for what they have done. And like you mentioned, Trevor, the guys they've been able to retain on the football program. But the approach for a Vanderbilt Collective or NIL, whatever you could call it, has to be different than other teams because you're just not going to have the local donors that are monthly donating $20, $30, $40, $50 at the same rate as every other SEC school. What you do have is you're located in a popping metropolis that's growing exponentially year over year with tons of corporations that have their headquarters or massive corporate offices located five minutes from your campus. Unlike in Fayetteville, unlike in Knoxville, unlike, well, Lexington's the second biggest uh, second biggest city in the entire SEC, but still not even comparable to Nashville. So the lack of corporate approach from Vanderbilt has been really disappointing through their collective. You haven't seen a lot of corporate sponsorships. I think you saw Scottie Pippen Jr. before he left had some deal with Kane's Chicken uh, when they were coming into Nashville. Mm-hmm. But how often have you seen guys posting uh with like corporate partnerships that's where vanderbilt's missing the boat you've seen it very uniquely but you said donors donating they don't want to blindly donate their money into the collective i think that is the difference they don't just want to write a check like you can get smaller and more businesses involved if you provide and maybe they are okay maybe they are doing this and that's why i don't want to sound as harsh as i already have sounded but you have to provide a strategic reason for these businesses to invest into your collective and show them the marketing and valuable benefit they're going to receive versus every other SEC school can just say, hey, 
we all know you love this school. Donate money in and we'll throw you some athletes to do some local marketing campaigns. Like that's all these other collectives have to do. It's not as easy at Vanderbilt. It's not an easy road, but something has to be done differently. Vanderbilt is never going to achieve success taking the same path as every other SEC school. They just simply won't. And I'll say this too. Hopefully the success with NIL on the football program, because it has been success, right? I mean, Trevor mentioned it. Hopefully that translates into overall department success, right? Overall athletic department success with basketball, with baseball, with, with other sports, right? So I think this football season could be a good tone setter for the rest of the athletic department. So maybe a year from now, we're talking about different things. We're talking about the steps that have been taken, but right now, Will, I agree. The collective needs to step up that, I mean, that, that that's, that's the bottom line that the collective needs to step up and that that's where we're at with it right now. So again, appreciate Vandy cat for the question. Uh, that was really the only relevant fan question that I, that I saw. Let's talk about the Tennessee sweep Friday. Went 12 innings. Vanderbilt lost 4-3. to three. They held a two-run lead in the ninth. They were down to their final strike. Tennessee hits a home run to tie it in the ninth. Tied at three. Maldonado stays in for the extras. And Griffin Merritt ends up walking it off for Tennessee on Friday night. Saturday, 17-1. Run rule game. Um, Kavara's tears from Tennessee during the Saturday game. After the game, he said... In my own head, I thought we had the game won just based on looking at our dugout compared to theirs. They were kind of just down. Vanderbilt, they, they, they didn't want to be there. They did not want to show up to Lindsey Nelson on Saturday. Sunday, they lost 10-5, to showed a little bit late, but you lost again in, in pretty dominant fashion by Tennessee. Uh, Tennessee has won seven in a row against Vanderbilt. I think it's eight of the last nine after the walk-off or after the, the grand slam from uh, Evan Russell on that Saturday series a couple years ago. Tim Corbin said after the series, according to Ari Gerson, he said, I'm not ever going to get to a point where I lose believability in these kids. I enjoy being around them. They work hard. We had our opportunity Friday night, and we lost it. Right, that was their opportunity. They lost the game. But the last few days, with the exception of the last part of this game, he's talking about Sunday, we were not a match for Tennessee. Van- Vanderbilt, Saturday and Sunday, showed no fight. Um, and, and they they let down a lot of their fans. I, I'll, I'll say this: this was a big, this was a big fan base letdown weekend. Yep. Right. And, and guys, I think we're a good barometer for Vanderbilt fans. I think we have as as good of a as good of a thumb on Vanderbilt fans and the way they're thinking as anybody. And before the weekend, as a normal Vanderbilt fan would, they were excited for the weekend. They were excited to go into Knoxville and potentially knock off Tennessee. It didn't happen, right? Friday was their opportunity. It didn't happen. It felt like the series is over Friday night. Let's face it, Trevor, during the spaces, yeah. it didn't feel good. <laughs> Billy texted. He's like, spaces. And I was like, Billy, no, please. I was like, yeah. I, can't, I can't do the spaces right now. <laughs> Trevor was like, we only do spaces when we win. Um, <laughs> Billy's Van- not tonight, brother. <laughs> Vandy hadn't lost back-to-back games all season up to this weekend. They hadn't lost a series all season. So it's been, it's been all – Sunshine of rainbows up to this past weekend. And we knew it, it's that's not SEC baseball. That, that's not typically how it goes. It's an anomaly when you go 26 and three. That'll never happen again with any SEC program, I don't think, especially with how competitive it is now. So, guys, 
again, sometimes you get to laugh at yourself. We 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 talked about this series being a, a emphatic response after last season, and it didn't happen. I thought I thought Enrique Bradfield struggling. I hate singling him out. I thought Trevor him struggling as much as he did really really hurt them when he's not getting on base being the tone setter that he's supposed to be Vandy's usually not winning so and and Tennessee was desperate they were desperate they needed this series they needed Friday night they got it but the other side of this Trevor is whenever Vandy and Tennessee have gotten together the past couple years Tennessee feels like the aggressor they 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 are attacking Right, they see Vanderbilt, and we're beating our in-state rival. We're not losing. Yeah. We're not losing to this Vanderbilt team. I did, where was the sense of urgency? Right, they only put up three runs on Friday. So I, I again, Carter Holton pitched well, but there wasn't any sense of urgency the whole weekend. Mm-hmm. And especially after Friday night, Trev, they didn't want to be there. No, Vanderbilt, they, 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 they did not want to be there, and so. It's just disappointing, man. I, I mean, I, from a Vanderbilt fan's perspective, you headed into, into you headed into this weekend excited, right? We were excited, but it, it went the other way, Trevin. I, it, playing Tennessee, if this was Georgia in Athens, we wouldn't be talking this way. But it's no. Tennessee in Knoxville after last season, and now all of a sudden they have the attention of Vanderbilt fans. I mean, we we were wrong, right? We were wrong heading into the weekend, yeah. but. Trev, it, it's it's just disappointing after what happened last year. That's yeah. that's where I, that's what I'll say. I was I was talking to my dad about it, and I and I said, um, eventually Vanderbilt was going to lose a weekend series, lose, not get swept, not get swept um, in such an emphatic fashion, and not get swept by Tennessee. Um, if this. If Vanderbilt had lost a series to any other team, I, I mean, we would obviously be dejected, but like we'd be like, okay, like it was going to happen eventually. But in the fashion that Vanderbilt got beat and by Tennessee after last year, I mean, it was, uh, yeah, it, they didn't look like Vanderbilt baseball at, at all this weekend. Mm-hmm. I and I and I I agree with you. I hate to single out Enrique, but whenever you're the big dog on a team and you don't. And you don't produce, I, you got to be singled out. He was awful this weekend, and he was awful in a spot against a team that is really, really bad uh, with errors. I think they're they're one of the they they produce some of the most errors in the SEC, and they were really, really bad at throwing runners out. And so, in the spot that you needed Enrique to be Enrique, he mm-hmm. wasn't. Yeah. And I think that's, I mean, that's super damning. Um, I mean, gosh, and to like uh, j- your big guys just didn't produce. We can talk about Enrique. We can talk about Nick Maldonado. Nick Maldonado came out and had his worst outing of the season. Devin Futrell had his worst outing of the season. Um, Bryce Cunningham. I mean, I don't want to hate on the guy, but good God, dude. Like, but and Davis Diaz whenever your one and your two guys are not producing like you're screwing yourself that is like baseball has changed so much in the past 20 years but still like something that has remained the same as your one and your two guy got to get on base that is your job you have to get on base i don't give two rips about your batting average i care about your obp 
That's what I care about, and I'm pretty sure that's probably what Tim Corbin cares about. And, I mean, they just didn't produce. I mean, it was all through the lineup. I, I It was, yeah. R.J. Shrek I'm, was really the only sign of RJ, life. It's, it's, even, it's even hard to – it's even hard to – I had thoughts before this, and it's all I've been thinking about, but, like – and I, I, God, I think, I, I think partially the Mike Baxter discourse is a little bit tired, but I think this, this weekend, you saw one thing. And so whenever Vanderbilt's bats at the start of the season were really, really rough. And then you sort of seen them transition in, into the team that they have been to where they have been making great contact on the ball, been scoring a lot of runs. Uh, they've been asked a couple times, and Tim Corbin said, well, the changes were just really aggressive early in the count. They were hunting fastballs. They were putting pitchers on their toes early. And this weekend, it totally backfired. I think one thing with – it's not just with baseball, but at sports is you can't be stagnant. And so what happened is, is the thing that had been helping them up until this point started to hurt them. They were crazy aggressive early in, in at-bats. And it was getting these really short innings to where it was one pitch outs, two yeah. pitch outs, like what, like nine, 10 pitch innings for these Tennessee pitchers. And you couldn't get into their bullpen. And not only were you aggressive early in the count, but you were just hyper aggressive at the plate when you really need to be taking pitches and creating these long at bats and putting stress on the pitchers. Like, I think it was, I, I forget what day it was. I think it was Saturday. Vanderbilt, I felt like swung at every sweeping slider out of the zone. If you were yeah. a right-handed batter, I for I forget who it was. Was it it was Dolander, I think. Had yeah. that if if you were righty, had that big crazy sweeping slider that it, it sort of looked like it was gonna stay in the zone, but if you were righty, it finished out. And every right-hand pitcher just took it. Like it, you have to be able to be able, you have to be able to change on a dime. If you're not working early and like if you're if you're not working early in the count, third time, second, third time through the lineup, you got to be like, hey, I'm getting two, three pitch at bats. I got to start taking some pitches. I got to be a little bit more relaxed at the plate because yeah, you might result in an out, but in an out to where you force the pitcher to have six seven eight nine ten pitches in the ab a competitive versus that, yeah. mm-hmm. two you're screwing yourself i mean it's it's suicide it's baseball suicide and so that was one thing that that i don't want to harp on because i've been super hip or i've been super on mike baxter but i mean that's just this weekend they were crazy aggressive in their ab's and it screwed them they couldn't get into the bullpen and yeah it, it seemed like they were just closing their eyes and just swinging at one two threes this is where I, I almost take Billy's uh, normal role because, you know, I watched probably way too many innings of this UT series this weekend. And I've watched a lot of Vanderbilt baseball over the years cumulatively. And under Tim Corbin, it's almost always been the opposite frustration is they were always so patient taking a lot of first pitches. I could be very wrong outside of this season. This Mm -hmm. season's been a different scenario. But in the past, that's always been kind of a frustration. It felt like you said it hit the nail on the head of what I was going to say. It felt like they were swinging consistently at first first and second pitches and getting behind in the count over and over and over and over. And Billy, I think you put out a tweet from the Door Report account. You said, 
uh, new day, new opportunity or opportunity for redemption for the Vandy boys. Yeah. I don't remember exactly what you said, but they just kept doing the same things over and over mm-hmm. throughout this entire series mm-hmm. and throughout the weekend. And the question I have for you guys, does this weekend send up red flags overall about Vanderbilt's pitching staff and the swing yes. and miss capability of these guys? I think that was up in like up in our minds prior to this series. The bats are like surprising to me. I didn't expect Vanderbilt to put up that few runs and to see that much of a struggle. But long term, like what did this series do to your perception of the Vanderbilt baseball program? For me, it immediately raised up red flags in this pitching staff is you faced a team that's good at putting the bat on the ball. They have fielding issues, defensive issues, but Tennessee makes good contact and they absolutely ripped Vanderbilt's pitchers. They were able to walk and take pitches, get ahead in favorable hitter counts and then take advantage of those over and over and over. You don't get your ass kicked the way Vanderbilt did outside of the game on Friday when they blew the lead in extras. Uh, but you don't get your ass kicked like that two games in a row without yeah. having serious issues at almost yeah. every single position to, across the board. But do you see the pitching as something that's going to continue to rear its ugly head throughout the rest of this year? It's a great question, Will. And, and to me, I'm going to wait because this pitching staff is so banged up. Right, You haven't had Hunter Owen the past couple weeks, right, and he's been rock solid up until the point where he was he he sat out the South Carolina series. And we'll wait. Hopefully Hunter Owen is available against Kentucky. So that's number one, Hunter Owen. Number two, Andrew Dukanich has been out. Um, Grayson Moore has been out. So those are three guys that Vanderbilt, coming into the season, planned on relying on heavily, right? The the, the thing with Cunningham, he's he's struggling, right? I doubt they'll send him out there for another weekend start. Um, I mean, he the guy's just in a funk. He's a young guy. I'm sure he'll grow out of it. Uh, but for me, yes, I, I, I'm going to hold off on it, right? I, I'm, I'm not going to say yet because they're so banged up, right? Carter Holton was back to his old self Friday night. Carter Holton pitched really well. He gave Vanderbilt a chance to win. He set them up for success. Friday night was was a lack of execution. It was it, Tennessee just won. They, they went out and won the game Friday night. So... The pitching has to get healthy, right? The, the pitching has got to get healthy. For Devin Futrell, he's pitched really well. He's been the second-best pitcher in the SEC behind Paul Skeens up to this point. And for him, he's a fly ball pitcher, right? He, he's a guy that gets a lot of fly ball outs and loves playing in the Hawk because it's a bigger park. Lindsey Nelson Stadium, Tennessee is very comfortable playing and hitting in Lindsey Nelson Stadium. For Devin Futrell, he's not set up for success at Lindsey Nelson. Mm-hmm. So Tennessee was able to lift some balls out of the park. He got into a rhythm. I thought he went too quick at times where he would send him another, another fastball after a, a two-out hit. And then, you know, you get another home run hit off you by, by Hunter Ensley on Sunday. So it was a perfect situation for Tennessee. They're back in their park. Tennis Vanderbilt's pitching staff is more of a contact pitching staff, right? Pitch to your defense. Set your defense up for success. You get outs. Vanderbilt's pitching staff is not a strikeout. They're not a heavy strikeout rotation. Tennessee's is, right? They've got elite strikeout arms. For Vandy, they are not suited to play in Lindsey Nelson Stadium. They are suited very well to play in Hoover, right? A huge park in Omaha, right? Another huge park. And if Vandy's at home, they are suited to play at home in a regional, in a super. And then you get to Omaha, right? So it's it was just a perfect situation 
for Tennessee. They're at home. They're comfortable. They recruit to players that that lift the ball out of their cracker box park, right? It, it, it was just a so overall. I'm really not overly concerned. For me, Trevor, and I know you, you'll probably have an answer on the pitching staff. For me, the lack of fight and and pride in beating Tennessee, I didn't see it. So that to me is a little concerning. That that's what's yeah. a little concerning. Before Trevor provides like incredible nuanced information about Vanderbilt baseball that's beyond anything I could ever give. This is why baseball is frustrating to me because I asked that question to then basically say everything that Billy had just said, spent a good amount of time kind of getting it jotted down in bullet points to be absolutely useless. But the end of that is the only thing that you didn't hit on. You hit on the size of the ballparks, Mm -hmm. not being swing and miss pitchers, not high strikeout numbers. I was going to say, you mentioned that if this was, you know, a Georgia series that they went down and got swept, the reaction would not be good, but it wouldn't be the same kind of panic button reaction Mm-hmm. that is currently going across the Vanderbilt fan base. Because when you look at the SEC standings, there are still only three teams that have above a 70% win percentage in conference. And that's mm-hmm. South Carolina, Vanderbilt, mm-hmm. and LSU. And there's only one other team in the SEC that has less losses in conference than Vanderbilt. And it's South Carolina sitting at uh, 13 and four after Vanderbilt yep. just beat them in the previous uh, weekend series two to one. So yeah. Exactly, Billy. I mean, you took everything. And I saw, and yeah, and Trev, I saw a really good tweet from Cameron Bond. He said, in a sport like baseball, especially college baseball in the SEC, it's never as good as it seems, and it's never as bad as it seems. Right? Yes, yes, Vandy just got swept by Tennessee, but you're at the midway point of the season. You're still, you're right behind South Carolina in the East. You're a top five team. There's a lot of baseball to be played. Luckily, you don't have to face Tennessee at Lindsey Nelson for the rest of the year. It's never as bad as it seems. But before the weekend, it's never as good as it seems either. Right. So it's, it's the double edged sword. It it is. It, it, and and I, I'm trying not to freak out because if Vanderbilt does drub Florida and Ark, not drub if they take a series if they take the series against Florida and Arkansas, um, then I think like we won't look back on this series and be like, eh, who cares? Because it's Tennessee. Like it'll always it'll always matter to Vanderbilt fans. But I I think that will soften the blow. So I'm trying not to freak out right now. Um, in regards to the pitching staff, I agree with Billy. Um, they they're super banged up right now, like like really really banged up. Um, Hunter Owen, like you said, Decanich, um, Grayson, um, I believe there was someone else. Um, I'll look it up in a second. I think there was someone else. Uh, Colton Region, Colton Region. Yes, um, yeah. Yeah, you, you have all these guys banged up. Um, luckily, I. I I sent out a, I think it was after the game on Saturday, Aria asked him um about the status of Hunter Owen. And he he gave this, and I get it, it's Tim Corbin, very Bill Belichickian to where short answers, angry after a, a bad loss, deservedly so. Um, but gave this answer and he said, Well, he's still on the roster, so he'll pitch at some point. And like <laughs> I get that's Tim Corbin, but like also as a fan, like it's so frustrating because you're like, when Tim? Like, I get great answers are your thing, but, like, is it just fatigue? Because if it's just fatigue, traditionally, you don't sit out a guy who only starts once a week. Like, 
MLB pitch. It's not like it's an MLB rotation to where it's every four or five days. Like it's once a week and he's missed two with fatigue. Like, come yeah. on, man, give me some answers. But, but then he came back on Sunday, said that he could have pitched if the situation was right and that he should be back for this weekend against Kentucky. Will he be back? We don't know, but I guess if they need him, he will be. Um, so and, take and- that as you may. The, yeah, but but the pitching staff doesn't worry me. Once they get healthy, they'll be good. The Devin Futrell um, Sunday game, obviously disaster. Um, but that's not who Devin is. Devin is 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 one of the best pitchers in the nation. I'm not worried about him. I'm not really worried about Maldonado because it was just one bad outing and he's been lights out. The in whole that season. pitch, in that pitch that tied it up, that was a it was like I mean, that, that was, was like the like, one that was in the dirt, wasn't that it? That was an was inch like off the ground. The dirt. I mean, yes. that was a nine iron. He golfed it out of the stadium. Like it yeah. probably went three twenty five. Like that, you can't really yeah. blame Maldonado on that. Um. But yeah, again, Maldonado's not a heavy strikeout guy like mm-hmm. we were talking about. Like he is a contact pitcher. He'll strike you out maybe on some of his off-speed stuff, but it's just you look at both teams too, right? You look at Tennessee yeah. and Vandy. Tennessee still has work to do to get into the tournament. Right? They still got Yeah, keep, they, they still This weekend they, was big, but they're not out the door. They, yeah. yeah, they still got to keep plugging, right? I mean, they can't just kind of sit back and relax now. For Vandy, they if they take two more series, they're a, they're hosting, hosting, right? And maybe even you're a top eight national seed. So that's where you look at both programs. Yes, Tennessee has owned Vandy the last couple of years, but this season is sort of back to where Vanderbilt is used to being, right? National seed expectations, maybe hosting a, a regional and a super. And it, you're, you're, the sky is not falling, right? As much as it felt like it was falling over the weekend, Vanderbilt gets a nice reset. It's nice they're not playing a midweek game, I think, right? Exams, they're finishing up exams yeah. this week. That's always a good sign. You get exams over with, and this team can refocus and solely focus on baseball. That That's always been a, a sign of success for a Tim Corbin program. Exams are done. Let's play baseball. Let, let's focus on I baseball. W- I will say, too, something that legitimately does sort of worry me about this team right now is the bats. And I don't want somebody to tweet at me and be like, oh, well, they were doing great, and then it was one series. That is a valid point. What worries me is um, – how do I say this? Um, j- just it, they're so stuck in one specific way at the plate and and they're not very fluid with their they're not very fluid with their approach at the plate as the game progresses um and, and so that's my big thing right now is yes if you're playing a team and um you know based on your scouting report their pitchers like to throw real early strikes like to pound the zone in the middle of the zone yes be aggressive early early in the ab but through the second or third time in the lineup, after you've had a, have multiple outs, you're talking to your guys in the dugout, and you're like, hey, that slider is going to look like it's coming in at you, but it's going to finish out of the zone. So be a little cautious. But still, that's not happening to where they are taking this information and adjusting on the fly like you have to do with it bats. It's, it's, it's very rigid, very set, set in stone. And and that does that worries me a little bit, um, because in baseball you 
with with the quality of pitchers and the different pitching styles, you have to be able to just change on a fly. You have to be able to yeah. even change in the middle of an AB, mm-hmm. um, just based on on where uh, runners are on the bases, who's pitching to you. If they bring in someone else out of the bullpen in the middle of an AB, like we saw on Friday. You just have to be super fluid. You have to be able to change on a fly. And I'm just not seeing that from this lineup right now. And that really worries me. Yeah, the last real baseball commentary I have from this weekend is separated out from baseball, is in any sport. Billy, you mentioned it. Trevor, you mentioned it, that Tennessee probably still has some work to do to make the tournament. And this weekend greatly helped their tournament chances and greatly improved if they can continue to play well in the Tennessee Volunteers, their seeding as an at-large in the NCAA tournament. And that, at the end of the day, is the goal. Vanderbilt knows in their heart of hearts, and their players know it, regardless of what they say or the coaching staff says, they've pretty much already done enough to make the NCAA tournament. I mean, they would really have to crap the bed to not be... I mean, I don't even know what they could do. I mean, with that's I, I don't want to say this is a hot take, and Billy, you might interjecting if typically once you get at the point to where Vanderbilt is whenever conference wins you're a lock that's like, I don't think this is a hot take to say that Vanderbilt could literally lose out and still make it them yeah, already being at 13 at. conference wins yeah is you yeah. saw you saw in a small example of this in the opposite direction during basketball season is those regular season games mean a lot more when your postseason chances are on the line and there's mm-hmm. something about and that they were this weekend exactly they were yeah UT, totally. if they get if UT gets swept and dominated by Vanderbilt this weekend if the exact same thing happens to UT that UT did to Vanderbilt season's over their season's almost over and they've gone from being the number one team in the SEC last season to not even making the NCAA tournament and so that's a level and you could like feel it it's like what you were saying you just I think you texted us, Billy. Have you ever seen a Vanderbilt baseball team give up? And I think you kind of took that back a little bit afterwards. Mm-hmm. That was an emotional response. But you could feel that when they got down is that UT was like, this is it. We have to win this to continue our season in the direction, even remotely in the direction we want to go. And Vanderbilt UT always means something to both fan bases regardless. But you could almost feel that Vanderbilt had that little 5% less of intensity that was like, at the end of the day, we didn't have a good start. We haven't been playing well. Like, it's a very natural thing to say, let's pack it in and let's continue playing better baseball down the road. And I think that's maybe what happened. I'm not making excuses, but the season's not over. Yeah, and- I mean, you saw it. Vanderbilt basketball beat a bunch of teams that they were definitely less talented than, but they were playing with that desperation. You just, I, you I just say, mentioned. I hate to Go interject. Ahead. This is this is not involving Vanderbilt baseball, but SEC baseball. Um, final LSU just lost to Nichols six to five. Wow, so wow. It's not just us; they're also skidding. Yeah, and and there was a lot of attrition in the top twenty-five this week around college baseball. Right, there was oh, a lot dude, of sweeps. The SEC East was in hell this yeah. weekend. Florida got swept by South Carolina. Arkansas got swept by Georgia. East Carolina got swept. Uh, there, there was some attrition. That's why Vanderbilt is still number five in the country. Right, they're they're still right there. So, but Will, you brought up Vanderbilt basketball. This past weekend reminded me of Vanderbilt Tennessee roles reversed. Vanderbilt with the Tyron Lawrence yeah. shot. They approached that Tennessee game as, guys, we got to have this. 
We got to start a run. We have to string together some wins. Roles reversed this weekend. Tennessee had to have it this weekend. Vanderbilt is their Super Bowl every year in baseball, right? For Vandy, they went into this weekend. Guys, let's let's not get I – mean, I, again, I, I'm not, I don't think they said this. Let, they said let's win this series. But after Friday, it's let's salvage it, right? Let, let's get one, right? Tennessee said, well, let's win all three. Let, let, we, we, have to, we have to win this weekend. It was it was different perspectives, different approaches. Tennessee wanted it more. And this past weekend, I don't think that is a bad thing for the season, right? For for from a Vanderbilt perspective. Right? Okay, yeah, if, Tennessee wanted it more. Yeah, it's the in-state rival. But like basketball this season, Tennessee ended up making the tournament easily. Vandy didn't make the tournament, right? They had a big run, exactly. but they didn't make the tournament. Tennessee could still not make they could still miss the tournament. Right. So if they still go in these this up and down roller coaster of a season, you don't know. So they still have work to do. Vandy doesn't have as much, I guess you could argue. So th- yeah. they're just they're they're two totally different trajectories for both these teams. I mean, it's the desperate if you've ever played growing up in a single elimination tournament or a double elimination tournament. Yeah. I'm a terrible I, I'm the worst loser on the planet i'm not a good sport after i lose i will never be you show me a good loser i'll show you a loser however the desperation that you feel as a team at the end of the game down in a tight game having to make a comeback when you're still in the winner's bracket versus in the loser's bracket and you know that this team is done if you lose there is an extra little oomph that you play with and it's not something you can fake it's an indescribable desperation to win that you felt UT have and I I just want to say it's not saying it's not making an excuse for Vanderbilt it's it's more me for once in my life giving a little bit of props uh to UT is like you felt it you felt that they regardless credit 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 to them they wanted it more they needed it more than Vanderbilt did and they got it done and guys, I'll say this too as we wrap it up. I hate those guys I, so much. I just gotta say it. Oh, just credit just to them. Yeah, for the win, dude. Screw those guys. I don't. Yeah. Oh, I, I hope you I'll guys s- lose every single game the rest of the season for football, <laughs> baseball, Absolutely. basketball. I hope you get the death penalty in every sport. Don't <laughs> confuse my my respect of their performance with my respect of their program or any type of favorable feelings towards anyone in that ugly ass orange and i have a feeling vandy's gonna get the last laugh this year i have a weird feeling whether it's them making the tournament and vandy and tennessee not or vandy beating them in hoover hoover like hoover i'll be there last year it was awful right tennessee beat vandy to sort of put the icing on the cake i think vandy's gonna get the last laugh this year i i I have a feeling hoover i'll probably go this year it's awesome it it is it's an it's an awesome trip, especially if you're a baseball fan. Hell, Will, you'd love it. it, it it's awesome. SEC fans everywhere. Um, so, yeah, I think that's the spot for Vandy to, to see Tennessee. It won't be at Lindsey Nelson, so that's a good thing. Um, you never – nobody wants to play Tennessee at Lindsey Nelson. It, it, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a snake pit. I mean – It's also for, just the ugly ballpark. I don't know if anybody – I've never been in it, but I've driven by it and walked by it multiple times because – I've been to multiple Vandy Tennessee games in Knoxville. It's a really ugly ballpark, man. Like it's, even the outside is just kind of gross. It's and, disgusting. Yeah. It's, it, it's it smells awful. like piss in the air. It's just weird, man. Weird. So Vandy, 
gets swept by Tennessee. The entire city of Knoxville you just described. He's like, yeah, is that is true. Just, 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 a, just a wafting scent of piss. <laughs> like, well, it's I kind saw... of the opposite of the city of Nashville, and the opposite of how everything at Vanderbilt looks is like the in, the in and angled photos and videos of Vanderbilt always don't actually do justice of kind of how beautiful that campus is. Best campus in America. You can't convince being me. In downtown Nashville. Everything related to Tennessee and the city of Knoxville is the absolute opposite. Is every single thing actually going in person? Like Neyland Stadium, in your seat is cool looking. On TV is cool looking. That actual stadium looks like an industrial abandoned warehouse sitting on the edge. It does. Nobody talks about it. It's not a cool setup. Their tailgating setup are these like layered parking lots outside the stadium at rust and staring at rusted out at rusted out uh, like old classrooms uh, yeah yes absolutely hideous city so for vandy i i still can't believe they got swept just to throw that i i I cannot i can i never would have imagined it but same for tennessee fans they never saw this coming right tennessee they were Uh doom and gloom they said our season's over right all of a sudden they sweep vandy they're back they're back so uh tennessee sweeps vandy Jadis Richard enters the portal. Tyron's in the portal. A lot of NIL talk. Boys, that's it. That wraps up another episode of the Doorport. Beef. <laughs> Hell of an episode. That, that, this is a beefy one. Almost two hours. Uh, we might as well just start a daily show. Uh, you've been listening to another episode <laughs> of the Doorport, powered by Alaco Finewood Floors.